last. I wanted more time to prepare. <laughs> yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Doesn't Ryan do a great job for us? We love you, buddy. You guys, I'm honored to be the first one to get to speak to you on behalf of our Foothill Family Church staff. Happy New Year. Um, I am so excited. We just returned from youth camp uh, yesterday, so we got to ring in the new year with the youth, and I'm so blessed that I get to do what I do for a living. Um, it is work, I promise, but it's fun to do the things that God has called you to do, and when you do that, you're blessed, right? I was so blessed that I got to come home today or yesterday to my family, and my wife let me sleep for half the day. She let me do that again today. Um, but God is good, and he has good things for us. And we had such a great time up at winter camp uh, with the youth, and we, we looked at, we always kind of break it into three topics, right? Uh, I'm a guy that understands X's and O's because I was a football player, so unless it's laid out pretty simple for me, I start drifting and falling all over the place. Anyone else relate to what I'm saying? So when I go up with the youth kids, uh, and even in the young adults, I like to have it broken down where we know what we're doing, what's going to go on, and we, just, we, we prepare and then live, leave the spirit room to move. Amen? Uh, but I think tonight, it would have done all of you good to be with us over, the, over winter camp. Would you guys like to go to winter camp sometime? Right? We should do like an adult winter camp, right? Um, uh, I don't know if you guys would like the dorm and the sleeping accommodations. <laughs> we get some thumbs down in the back. But uh, it's always a blessing. So tonight, uh, we're going to cover some of the things that we covered at camp because I think they are timely for us all. It would be an encouragement to us all. And sometimes we need to just kind of go back to the basics, right? Sometimes we get caught up in, uh, in chasing different things. Life gets busy. I know this is going to be a big year for our church. We have weddings. We have babies being born. Isn't that, it's going to be so cool this year. I'm really looking forward to it, uh, to watching this church family grow and just watching God bless, bless us as we continue to do what he's called us to do. So tonight we're going to look at a few things uh, and just try to get our hearts set right for 2019. Will that be a blessing to you tonight? Amen. Amen. Let's dive into the word of God. We're going to go uh, to Genesis chapter 37, and I'm going to kind of jump around. Uh, this is the story of Joseph. Have you guys heard of this guy before? Not the one, not Jesus' daddy, the one at the, in Genesis. Sometimes I'm so used to using an iPad that it's hard for me to find it in my actual Bible with all you staring at me. <laughs> but we covered uh, the story of Joseph, and tonight I want to look at part of Joseph's life because there's so many things that we can take out of it. Don't ever think that you've read uh, a story enough times, right? If you go back through the Bible, every time you read it, it's going to show you something new. It is a living thing, amen? So we went over the story of Joseph, and, and right out the gate, I, I, can, I, I love the story of Joseph because... There's so many things that are parallel to us living in the world, right? If you read it, you know what? I just wanted to show you where it was at, so we'll kind of skip through it. Uh, but in Genesis, uh, it talks about Joseph and the place that he held with his father. He was his daddy's favorite. You guys are your father's favorite. Did you know that? You are God's favorite, every single one of you. Don't, you don't have to understand how it works, but he loves you. We are all his favorite. That's a good place to be. And when you look at the story of Joseph, other people hated him. Because he was the favorite. Sound familiar? Sound like the world that we walk in where other people see the glory and the love that your father has for you and they may be hurting. It even says that his brothers were envious and that envy gave root to hate. Gosh, it sounds like the world today, doesn't it? Where we're loved by our heavenly father and people hate us for it. It's an, inter it's an interesting story as they go on because you see the brothers, what happens with them is a little bit of envy, 
a little bit of hate, and then it leads them down a path that they really never intended to go to the point where they're willing to kill their brother. You guys remember the story of Joseph? They get really mad at him when he starts telling them about these dreams that he's having. The 17-year-old kid goes and tells his brothers that one day they're going to bow before him. And he says, wait, and they get all mad. And he says, wait, but I have another dream. And he says the same thing. They're going to come and bow before him. And his dad even gets mad at him. And I think it's interesting when, when we try to share our dreams with other people, they want to crush them a lot of the time. Right? I know some of our, our young people have dreams and aspirations uh, that are quickly crushed by some of us. And I've done it before in the past. Right? Where they'll tell me something, I kind of chuckle to myself. You know, I have two kids, and if, if my daughter said, Dad, I'm going to be uh, an Olympic sprinter, I might laugh because she's not the fastest kid right now. Right? And so sometimes we're so quick to judge other people's dreams. And, and what, I, what I think is interesting is Joseph didn't have to tell his brothers these things. Right? So be careful of who you tell your dreams and your goals to, especially heading into this next year. Have you guys ever told somebody what was on your heart and they just disagreed with it or kind of laughed at you? How does that make you feel? Not real good, right? It, it makes you feel like, am I missing something? Have you guys ever started to question the things that God put in your heart because of the way that somebody else reacted to it? We shouldn't be that way. And I love the story of Joseph because you guys know he goes and gets sold uh, into slavery. Then they sell him again into to Potiphar's house. Then he goes through the trial where Potiphar's wife really liked him. She tried to seduce him once. And then try to do it again and again and again and again, daily, daily, daily. And you know the story that one day he is uh, going into the house to do his business. So this was a normal occurrence. He was going into Potiphar's house to do his business, and none of the other men were there. The implication is that there was supposed to be other people there, but there was no one else there. And she catches him, grabs his robe, and he runs out. And we made the point with the kids that sometimes in bad circumstances, the best answer that you can have is just to run. Right, Get out of Dodge, for some of us older people. Right, If there's a situation that you know you shouldn't be in, get away. Joseph didn't have to stand there and try to resist a temptation face to face. He knew that he was supposed to get out of the way. And what I want you to know is he was even supposed to be there. He was going about his business. So he was, he was right where he was supposed to be, and there were still temptations there. Have you guys ever been walking out the things that you're supposed to do in life? Maybe just going to work, your daily job, and there's temptations all over the place. You can be, we were driving to winter camp, and there's billboards all over the place that try to get you to think the wrong thoughts. There's temptations everywhere, even when you're doing the right thing. Joseph was doing the right thing. She starts lying about him. And I love Joseph's life, because when you look at his life, you can see all the same things that we're going through. People envied him. People hated him just because of the words that he spoke, because of the dreams that he had. People, after, after she tempted him and he said no, she grabbed his jacket, he runs away, and then she starts telling lies about him that he assaulted her. Sounds a lot like today, right? There's, there's sexual temptation. There's, uh, there's people that are going to lie about you, make up things about you just to make themselves look better. And you have this whole story of Joseph, and that puts him into jail. He gets thrown into jail, and in jail he meets two guys that have dreams. And Joseph says, well, the interpretation is God, so tell me your dreams, he tells them the dreams. They tell Joseph the dreams. He interprets them. It was good for one guy, not so good for the other. And so uh, one guy ends up, they both get exactly what was going to happen in the dreams. One died, one lived. And then one ends up in Pharaoh's house. And this is years and years later. One ends up in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh ends up having a dream and doesn't know what they mean. So this guy that, that, that Joseph had interpreted his dream says, I know a guy in jail that can interpret dreams. God is with him. 
he can interpret dreams. So he calls him and brings him into Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh tells him the dreams. Joseph tells him what goes on, uh, what's going on with the dreams. Pharaoh believes him because it's what's going to happen. Puts him in charge of everything, and that's exactly what happens. And at the end of all these years, at the end of all these years, Joseph is now in charge. The dreams that he told Pharaoh about were uh, seven years of, of plenty in the kingdom, followed by seven years of famine. So Joseph was diligent in the role that they put him in, and he put up plenty of food for storage to be able to take care and make the land get all the way through the famine. And so other countries started coming and borrowing from them and, and wanting to buy from them because they had uh, been diligent. Joseph had been in charge and been diligent, and God blessed them, so they had plenty. So when Joseph first had that dream, he was 17 years old, and he told his brothers, and through all these circumstances, all these ups and downs, and, and I would think that the things that Joseph went through, I've never had to go through stuff that crazy. I think I can safely say that most of us probably haven't had to go through things that crazy. And if you read the story all the way through these chapters in Genesis, one of the reoccurring themes that they bring out is that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was always with him. In the good times and the bad times, the Lord was always with him. So finally, we're some 20-odd years later. His brothers are now needing some foods, needing some corn. So their father sends them to, to go to Egypt, where Pharaoh is. And they end up coming before Joseph and bowing before him. Now, so many years have gone by that they don't even recognize Joseph, but he knows exactly who they are. Right? And so 20-plus years later, the dream that Joseph had when he was 17 years old is finally coming true. And the Lord was with him. So I don't know what 2018 looked like for you guys. Maybe some of the dreams, the plans, the goals you had haven't quite come through yet. But isn't it crazy that all we have to do is hold on? These dreams and these plans that God had given Joseph, 17, at 17, now it's 20 plus years later, are finally coming true. Are we willing to wait that long? <laughs> right? I think it, it tells us sometimes that, that, that God's timing isn't always how we want it. Because I'm pretty sure when the cocky 17-year-old kid was telling his brothers, you're going to bow before me, he wasn't thinking it was going to mean he would get sold, go to prison, and have to do all these other things before he got to the position where his brothers would actually come and bow down. Sometimes the dreams that we have and the goals that we have take a little bit longer, but do not lose heart. In all of these situations, when you read the story of Joseph, the thing that kept him steady, I'm sure there was times that he wanted to quit and give up on his dream. I'm, I'm sure in jail there's plenty of time that you want to sulk. But if you look at Joseph, everything that he did honored God. Every place that he went, he worked hard. He worked hard, worked as the Bible tells us to, to be diligent workers, to honor God in all the things that we do. Resisted temptation, worked hard, and, and God continued to promote him and have favor. There's a verse in there that says something to the effect of, Joseph was a blessed man. And it was right when he was in jail, right when he was sold into slavery, that he was a blessed man. And we look at situations like that and say, how can somebody that's going through all of that possibly be blessed? How can anybody going through that possibly be blessed? And one of the things that, that came up for me when I was studying um, was a verse in Proverbs. Go ahead and flip to Proverbs 29. And I love how the Bible can, can relate to itself. It explains itself. So when you think of Joseph and you think of all the things that he went to and you flip over to Proverbs 29 and you're reading, Proverbs is great. Uh, read Proverbs every day. I think there's 31 chapters in there. 
Um, you can read that one a day, most months, right? Proverbs 29. It's going to be in verse 18. This is no new verse for you guys. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And we always, we always look at that part a lot. And I think you guys all know that one by heart. Look at the next part. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. He that keeps the law, happy is he. I, I think this verse, so, when, I, when I was reading it, so directly ties to Joseph. Because Joseph had a dream and a vision when he was young. And through all of those years, all the hard things, all the ups and downs, that dream that he had, that vision that he had, helped keep him steady. Because where there is no dream, where there is no vision, the people perish. So Joseph was able to hold on to that. But also what I want you to know is that second part. He that keeps the law happy is he. Through jail, through lies, through all of these things, what did Joseph do to remain consistent? He kept the law. He even told Potiphar's wife when she tempted him that I will not sin against God. You don't think he knew the law of his Lord? Right? It's the same thing for us today. I told you there's parallels back and forth. This is the word for us, guys. This is the word that when you keep the word, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what happened this past year, when you keep the word and you keep the law of God, you are happy. Or you should be. He that keeps the law is happy. Not just he that reads the law. There's a lot of people that may read the Bible and they're still really upset with life. But if you are an active doer of the word, if you keep the law, happy is he. Did you guys know that the key to happiness in life is the word of God? It says it right there. Living out the word of God is the key to happiness in life. So that no matter what the situation looks like, the ups, the downs, the goods, the bads, no matter what it is, you are still happy. In jail, in slavery, finally sitting on top with his brothers bowing before him, he could stay happy because he kept the law of God. That's good, isn't it? That was night one at camp. Whew. Guys ready to move on to night two? <laughs> We're going to give you a mini winter camp. And I, and I love Joseph because it's such an example for us to stay steady, to keep the word as our guide, to live out the word that no matter what the situation is, that we can be happy. You guys, we are blessed to be a blessing. The next night we moved on to how, how, how after looking back at your life, so in your application tonight, how after looking back at 2018, what did that look like? Were you happy? Did you keep the word of God? Did you do the word of God? Do you have a plan? Do you have a vision? So we dealt with that on night one, and then night two, we talked about resetting. Because a lot of the times when we start to really dig into what happened in the past year, we really start to dig down in ourselves, sometimes we start to focus on the negative, right? We see where we've missed it. But one of the things we wanted to make sure is that we also celebrate the good things, right? If you had some faith victories, celebrate them. It is okay. God rejoices with you. We had last year at winter camp, it was my first winter camp that I was in charge. I did not want snow at all. The kids really wanted snow. So I told them that I prayed for no snow. I don't remember if I really did or not. But we didn't have snow, and they were really bummed. And they said, we're going to start praying now for snow for next winter camp. Guess what they got? Snow. There was snow on the ground. 
We go up there with 0% chance of snow while we're there, and it snows. It's not a coincidence, guys. It's a faith victory. Happy is he that keeps the law. Those kids spoke the word. Those kids prayed. Those kids believed. And it snowed. It wasn't supposed to. I wasn't very happy that it did. I was happy that they got their faith victory, and I purposely didn't pray for no snow this year. <laughs> I don't want to battle those kids. They're amazing. That They're strong in faith. But they have faith victories. So when you have victories last year, look back and celebrate them. Enjoy those things. If you had a promotion, enjoy it. But enjoy it with God. Give him the glory. Don't forget him in the good things. It's really easy when things are going well to forget that God's in it. Right? We start to think that it's all us. Right? Look how hard I've worked this year. Yes, you did it. And you can be happy because you kept the word that tells you to be a good steward. Right? Everything that we have, God has given us. All things that are good come where? From our Father in heaven. So when we have good things, when we receive good things, rejoice and thank your heavenly Father for them. If there's things that you need to work on from last year, let's learn from them. Let's not let last year's mistakes be the same ones that we make this year. Right? The new year is always a great time to to take and look at last year and figure out what we want to do different. Right? That's why the gyms are full. That's why everybody downloads another Bible app on their phone the first day of the year. Right? All well-intentioned, but let's do them this year. Right? Let's not let the things that we tried and purposed to do last year go unaccomplished this year. We looked at reset, and the premise for the reset message was in Mark. Go ahead, we'll flip to Mark real quick. Mark 6. This is how we set up the night. It was in Mark 6, um, and we'll start in verse 7. This is, this is talking about Jesus and his boys. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Go down to verse 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Guys, they did what God asked them to do. They went out and preached that men should repent. I have a, no, a note in my Bible that says, wow, that seems harsh. Right? A lot of the times when, when we talk about going to evangelize people, the last thing that, that we want to talk to them about is that they need to repent, right? We try to tell them that all these other squishy, squishy, nice things, but these guys simply went out and did what Jesus told them to do. They went out and preached that men should repent. Don't be afraid to use the truth. You don't have to, to, to water down the truth. You can hit people with the truth, and the truth is the word of God that changes people's lives. Verse 30 And the apostles, is that where I want to go? Oh, sorry, verse 12. They went out and preached that men should repent. Verse 13. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick, and they healed them. So they go out. Jesus tells them what to go out and do. They do these things. We should do what God tells us to do, right? They cast out the devils. Uh, And then if you go to verse 30. This is when they return. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus. And they told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. They told you up above what they had taught, that men should repent. And Jesus said to them, Come you yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many that were coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And we use this as our jumping off point for reset, because these guys were out doing the kingdom work. 
They were out doing kingdom work and doing great things for God, and they come back, and there's not even time for them to eat. If you look at the next verse, Jesus calls them to go apart and rest a while. Guys, part of what, what the reset message was for at camp is that no matter what we're doing in life, even if it's the, the call of God, God knows when you need a break. It is okay to get recharged, to rest, to get recharged. But notice that these guys didn't go and take a six-month hiatus from, from the things of God. Right? So many times we think rest, we think break, so we don't have to do anything whatsoever. But these guys go away to spend time with Jesus. Your rest, your reset comes when you go away to spend time with Jesus. And, and I think it's interesting when you look at the twelve. We always think, we just, we just talk about them as the 12. And these guys went out and cast out demons. They, did, they healed people. Who was part of that 12 that you wouldn't expect or ever really think about? Who's the one that betrayed Jesus? Judas. Judas is part of this 12 that is doing the things of God, doing the will of God. Judas is out there laying hands on people, casting out devils. And then how quickly, just a few chapters later, we're going to see that he's willing to turn in the Messiah. And it just goes to show how quickly things can fade when our focus goes to the wrong things. What was Judas in charge of? The money? What does the Bible say about serving God and money? Can't do both? You can't do both. So we see right there, Judas had the ability to serve his heavenly father, but he chose money and how quickly that turned into betraying his savior. If that's not a reminder to keep the word of God fresh in front of your face every day, I don't know what is. This was a guy who, who previously is walking with Jesus side by side, casting out devils and healing people. Could you imagine walking away from that? The temptation is real. Judas gave into it, and don't think for one second that you are just immune to temptation. But if you keep your eyes on your heavenly father, if you keep your eyes on Jesus on the right things, you do not have to go under and you do not have to give in to temptation. You can be like the other 11. <laughs> there's, when I think of the word reset, there's two, two main things in the Bible that come to mind, two main guys. And they're, they're two very different ideas of a reset. Uh, and the first one uh, is in Acts. It's Acts 9. This is Saul's conversion. Um, I don't know how much I'll make you read of this. But you guys have heard this before. In verse 1 it says, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest. So this is a bad dude. Saul is a bad dude doing the wrong things. Thinks he's doing the right things. Sounds like a lot of our culture today, right? They think they're doing the right thing, standing up for the right thing, and they are just on such the side of evil. Hmm. Verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecute. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And then the Lord told him what to do. I wanted to show you this one because sometimes we just are so far off in the wrong direction that we just sometimes need to get slapped real quick, right? This light shined around about him. He was going about what he thought was right, and it was like, nope. And I love that uh, when, when, when Jesus shows up to talk to him, he says, what are you doing? Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, anytime I've ever had a conversation that, that sounded anything like that, it hasn't been the most friendly of conversations, 
If somebody is, is, is doing something wrong to me that needs an aggressive change like this, do you think, you think it was, hey, Saul? Saul, how you doing? Why, why are you persecuting me? It knocked him off his horse. It knocked him to the ground. It's not all daisies and pancakes or pillows or marshmallows. It's not all fluff. When things need to change, God gets real with you in a hurry. You should never be afraid of that. <laughs> One of my favorite verses, and it may be because I work with young people, is Proverbs 3.12. Who the Lord loves, he corrects. Guys, correction is a good thing. And I love that uh, even while he was Saul, even while he was doing things to preach and to kill the ones that were preaching. He was there to slaughter them and to persecute them. If God didn't love him, he wouldn't have corrected him. He corrected Saul, like the king bad guy, because he loved him. And look what a change that had in his life. Look what a huge change it had. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Don't ever be afraid to be corrected. And what I want you to see is how Paul received the correction. It wasn't excuses about why other people uh, won't let him do what he's supposed to do. It wasn't excuses about not having enough time to do what he was supposed to do. When the Lord told him to do something, he received the correction, and what did he do? He went and did it. Our attitude towards, towards correction from the Lord, from his word, should be received and done with the right attitude. Now, we may, all, we may not always want to hear it, but who the Lord loves, he corrects. The, the next one I'll take us to You'll know this guy, Peter. This is where we'll, we'll, we'll get wrapping up for the evening. In Matthew 14, let's go there. Sometimes our lives require a hard reset like that. <laughs> We're just got to get smacked in our face, change everything that we've been doing, and call it a hard reset. If you've ever had a PC and it crashes, you have to do a hard reset, take it back to the beginning. You lose all your data. If you have a Mac, it never happens. Don't worry about it. It's called a hard reset. And then this one that we're going to look at in Matthew 14, it's a little bit different. Matthew 14, we'll start in verse 13. That's another thing I want you guys to see. This is just after John the Baptist was beheaded. This is Jesus' cousin. And the first thing Jesus does says, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And I made the note, when we were at camp, he had just lost his cousin. This wasn't something that he took lightly. He loved this dude. He was baptized by this guy. Like, he loved this guy. And the answer that when, when things got tough, when things were, were rough, was to get away and be with his heavenly father. You see, every time when Jesus went away, it wasn't just to get away from people, but he went away with a purpose. It was to get closer back to his heavenly father. So I love that he even takes time to reset. Let's, let's keep going. I made a note that I want you to hear. It says, spending time with God and his word is a great way to reset in the middle of an emotional crisis. And that was the example of Jesus, after hearing about his cousin, decided to go away. It's a great time to get away with the Lord. When you are going through things, when things are tough, when things are hard, go get away with God and his word by yourself and get ministered to. Because happy is he that keeps the law. Amen? Verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him into the other side while he sent away the multitudes. 
And when he had set the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. So he, got, he even got distracted when he was trying to get away, ministered to other people, but didn't forget that he needed to go get some rest on his own to get charged back up. He went up on the mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Verse 32 says this, And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. This is such a great illustration, and you can read this story like all the Bible over and over and get different things from it every time. Right? Peter decides to get down out of the water at Jesus' bidding. Jesus says, come, so he decides to get down on the water, and then he begins to sink. And, and I think it's interesting, um, who did he call out for when he began to sink? Called out for Jesus. You guys know the answer. Called out for Jesus. Why do you think that is? I think there's many reasons that we could look at, but a couple of them. One, I think he knew Jesus could help him. It's a good thing, right? Reach out for somebody that you know you can, that can help you. And then secondly, I think he reached out or was calling for Jesus because Jesus was the closest one to him. Right? He knew Jesus would help, and he had already started walking to Jesus. He wasn't going to turn around and try to run back to the ship. Jesus was the closest one to him, so what did he do? He cried out, Jesus! And what happened? Immediately, Jesus caught him. It's a good place to be with Jesus as the closest person to you. When you're going through a struggle and through a trial, family, friends, confidants, whatever you want to call them, they are all great things to have. But if Jesus is not the closest one to you, you're still going to go under. Jesus was the closest one, so he called out to Jesus. And Jesus did something about it. And I love that it doesn't say he had to go all the way underwater and hit the bottom of the sea before Jesus fished him out. I think we all have people in our lives that we've spoken to that just want to do things their own way. Uh, they, they may just uh, not listen to anything you have to say. And sometimes we just say, well, maybe they need to hit rock bottom. That rock bottom is always a choice. Peter could have held on to his, his, his doubts, his fears the whole time and sunk all the way to the bottom. He still might be sinking. But what did he do? When the situation was getting out of hand, when, he, when it was something that he decided that he couldn't handle anymore, when he got distracted from going to Jesus and started to sink and the circumstance started to catch up with him, he cried out, Jesus! And Jesus caught him. I think it's a great example of how we should always keep Jesus as the closest person. The closest person in our lives. <laughs> and I made some notes and asked the kids some questions at camp. Who do you keep closest to you? Because sometimes when you want an answer and you don't want to be patient and go to the word and ask God for an answer, you reach out to someone that you know is going to give you the answer that you want. That's not always the answer that you need. <laughs> Immediately Jesus caught him. One of my favorite things about this story is that when he started to sink, Jesus picked him right back up. He picked him up and put him right back next to him. He didn't say, 
Sink, swim, go back to the boat, try again. Start over. Right? So many times we, we think that when we fail, maybe we're praying for something or believing for something, we have one little ounce of doubt that enters our mind. We're like, oh man, we're back to ground zero. We've got to start all over. But I love that Jesus picked him up and put him right back where he was. Whoop! Just picked him right up. How do you think they got back to the boat? It's not, it's not the sweet footprints in the sand poster from your bathroom when you were a kid. The footprints in the sand, it was when I carried you, right? Like, Jesus picked them back up, and they walked back to the boat. And what I want you to know is that it says the wind, when they got back in the boat, that's when the wind stopped. The wind didn't stop when Jesus grabbed him. It was the same storm, the same conditions, the same circumstance, before, during, and after he chose to do what Jesus had told him to do. And so when we're looking at this, this is such a great metaphor for how God uh, has, has this life for us to be laid out. Go back to Genesis 1. And what I want to kind of leave with you guys tonight is a reset heading into 2019. And when we talk about resets, when we talk about Jesus picking him back up out of the water, we always need to reset back to the start. Back to exactly what God has created us for, who he's called us to be, and it's outlined right here in Genesis 1. In verse 26, it says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image, and after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. There's only two guys. You're either born male or female. <laughs> Says it right here. God blessed them, said, be fruitful and multiply. That happens with one male and one female. And unto them, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish, over the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. I love that when we look back at the beginning, this is the first interaction that we have with God and man recorded. Right? And he creates man with the purpose, and that's to be in his own image. You are created in the image of God with the purpose that it outlines right there in verse 26. He lists all the things you have dominion over and could have kept going on a big, long list, but simply says, have dominion over all the earth. When Jesus came to the earth, we just celebrated Christmas. When he came, he restored that connection one-on-one directly with man, with you and I. Right? And so that's why I love this imagery when we're talking about being created in God's image and having the authority and dominion over all the earth. And we see Peter walking on the water, and he gets so distracted by whatever else is going on, the wind, the waves, the storm. God gave him authority from the moment he stepped off the boat. He had authority. He had authority over that water because God told him that he could do it. And he steps out, and he starts to get distracted and starts stepping out of that authority that God had given him. Not using the authority that God had given him is a better way to say it. So what does Jesus do as he goes down? He says, Jesus! Don't you love that he's just one call away? He's always just one call, one reach away. Don't put a lot of stuff between you and God. Keep God first. So when you are sinking and you say, Jesus, it's immediately. Jesus picks him up and puts him right back in the place of Genesis 1. Authority over all the earth. And they walk back to the boat together. Your reset. I don't know what happened this year. 
this past year for you. I don't know what your plans are for the future, but your reset needs to be based right here, knowing that you are made in the image of God. And what that means is that you have authority over all the earth. Your circumstances, the things that are going on in your life don't have to play into your attitude, to your demeanor, to, your, uh, to how you're going to view things. Just like Joseph, he kept the law and he was happy. He was stable. The word of God is unchanging. That's what's going to keep you stable in the midst of whatever storm you're going through. See, Peter was walking in authority, then got distracted and started to sink. And Jesus, as soon as he called, put him right back into his place of authority. And they walked back together. You guys, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That means you have authority here and now over all of the earth. What a great way to go into the new year. What a great thing to understand as we head into the new year, just to be reminded of. One of the things that we talked about at camp is so many times when we go to church all the time, and most of you guys are here every Wednesday, every Sunday, every Sunday night, and I think some of you drive by in the parking lot. We see you on the cameras during the week just because you love this place so much. <laughs> but sometimes when you go to church so much and you try to act so spiritual, we start chasing little things. We start chasing little trails. We start chasing the gifts instead of the gift giver. We start chasing the act of healing versus the healer. So don't get distracted and don't be self-deceived this year. If you want to walk out a life of miracles, of signs and wonders, what does the Bible say at the end of Mark? I think it's in Mark 16. Let's go there real quick. I think all of these disciples and later Jesus sends out the 70 to do to do miracles and they come back and they're rejoicing and they say even the devils are subject to us and Jesus says to them don't rejoice that the devils are subject to you but rejoice that your name is written in heaven chips translation rejoice that you are God that you are God's child rejoice that you belong to a heavenly father and that you're made in his image not that things, that the devils run away from you. That's all good stuff, but that's what should be expected when you walk with the authority that God has given you. When you walk with the authority of God himself because you are made in his image. The Bible tells us that we are his ambassadors, and that means that you represent him here with all heaven backing you up. End of Mark. Did you find it? This is Jesus talking. He says this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following you guys, as believers in Christ, we all want those things. The Bible tells us to desire spiritual gifts. The Bible tells us to lay hands on the sick. We want those things. But those aren't the things that you chase. In Hebrews, it says uh, to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you want to be used of the things of God, in the things of God, for the purposes of God, you seek God. You seek the author of life. You seek the author of health. 
versus the miracle itself. Because when you start chasing the miracles and start focusing on those, you're losing the heart of the whole matter. And that's that God made you in his image to walk with authority over all. That's why we see some of these guys would just walk down the street and a shadow would pass over somebody and they'd be healed. You see Jesus sitting at a well talking to a woman and he tells her all about her. And she's astonished and says, you must be a prophet. Jesus didn't wake up that day and say, Lord, give me a word of knowledge for this, for somebody today. He was just always going away and spending time with his heavenly father and staying well-versed in who his father was so he could know who he was supposed to be. Guys, when you stay grounded in this word, when you stay firm in this word, the signs, the miracles, and the wonders happen because it says right here that the Lord went with them, just like the Lord is with Joseph. The Lord with, went, with, went with them. That's hard to say. They preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming what? Confirming the word with signs following. You guys, you want a life of the supernatural. You want to be someone that God is able to use. It's all about staying rooted and grounded in this word of God. That's how you find out who he is, who his character is, and who he's called you to be so you can walk in the fullness of that image. There's one more verse I want to give you guys, if I can find it. Romans 1, 16. Let's go there. Nothing new here, guys. The Bible is the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's read this thing. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's a good verse. We should never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We should never be ashamed of the word of God. For it, the gospel, the word of God, Jesus was the word made flesh, says in John 1.14. The word is made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the word made flesh, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the word of God. For that gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. The power of God unto salvation. We know what that word is. It's not just forgiveness of sins. It's wholeness. It's wellness. It's restoration. It's rescued. It's salvation. Complete restoration. Complete salvation. It's that word sozo. Guys, the word of God is bigger than just forgiveness of sins. If you want to be someone that, that miracles, signs, and wonders follow, it comes from not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the word of God, is the power of God into salvation. You want your life to change for 2019, it's all based in the word. Don't chase other little side trails. Be built up in the word so that your faith in God, the God kind of faith, grows and grows and grows to encompass healings, to encompass prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, all of the things that are in the Bible. Grow in your wisdom and knowledge of God and who he has called you to be so you can walk in the fullness of the image that he created you to be. When you walk in the image of Christ with the dominion that he gave us way back at the very beginning, we see it walked out when Jesus puts Peter back up on the water. If you want to walk in that authority, look what Peter did with the rest of his life. Yeah, he may have made some mistakes. You will too. This guy goes on to change the world. 
because he simply walked in authority. Miracles, signs, and wonders, all confirming the word. That's our lives in 2019. How are you respond to God and his word for 2019? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, it's an honor and a privilege to be your children, to be made in your image. Help us have a hunger and a desire, Holy Spirit, to continue to dive into your word every day to find out who you are, God. Your character, your nature, your wisdom, your knowledge, your plans and purposes for us so that we can walk out this life and dominion over all the earth just as you called us to be. God, we thank you that our lives based on your word in 2019 and beyond, but based on your word, when we are doers of your word, when we keep your law, we can be happy. That's a choice that we make. We want to be happy this year, Father God. And we see plain and clear that that means being doers of your word. So that's what we purpose to do. God, we give you all the honor and the glory. Thank you for each one that's here tonight. Holy Spirit, help minister to us. Show us the things that we need to change. Help us rejoice for the things that we may not even have realized were you last year, God. Help us reset our thinking every day to your word, to the knowledge of who we were created to be in you, so that we can respond and change this world around us for your glory, for your kingdom, God. We give you all the, all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you guys enjoy that tonight? We love you guys. Happy New Year. Pastor Mike will be back on Sunday, so be sure to be with us then. We love you. Have a blessed 2019.